0: Section 9 of the End of the Middle Age, 1273 to 1453, by Eleanor Constance Lodge. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 5 Rise of the Swiss Republic, Part 1. The rise of the swiss republic even though the old tales of tell and the apple of the wicked Gesler, and of the oath on the rutli have gone forever out of the region of history and are chiefly interesting to the students of myth and folklore is still a story full of picturesque incident and striking heroism it is a story of the banding together of sturdy mountaineers in the days when simple country folk were held of little account who strong in their longing for freedom and in the love of their mountain home were able to oppose successfully kings nobles and trained armies and to form an independent government which has held its own down to the present day in the thirteenth century there was no such country as switzerland the land we now know under that name was then simply part of the old duchy of Schwabia, like the rest of germany it belonged to the empire and was divided amongst various feudal lords holding their lands as imperial fiefs monasteries were very important in Schwabia, and much of the country belonged to them those of einzelnden and st gall being especially renowned many of these religious houses had what were known as grants of immunity which conferred the privilege of holding directly from the empire, not from any intermediate lord, and an imperial bailiff was sent to supervise the administration of justice, which was therefore never under the control of any count of the neighbourhood. Many great nobles also had territory in the mountain-land, which centres round the lake of Lucerne, and the upper valleys of the Rhine and the Rhone, such as the counts of Savoy of geneva of kiburg of raperswell above all of habsburg on a hill called the Würpelsberg, not far from the town of brugge a massive tower still stands to perpetuate the memory of the great family who dwelt in their habigsburg or hawk's castle in the days before the empire itself came under their rule In all this there is nothing to distinguish this alpine region from any other part of the empire or from any other feudal country, but it very soon began to develop characteristics of its own. A land of mountains is never quite so feudalized nor quite so dependent as a land of plains. Serfdom never seems to take so deep a root nature renders impossible the same amount of control in seignorial management this part of schwabia was early distinguished by the growth of communes both in towns and villages the members of these associations were bound together by the possession of certain rights and privileges and obtained to a great extent the management of their own affairs town communities and rural communities sprang up all over the country and sometimes the scattered inhabitants of a mountain valley would form themselves into a union of this description some swabian towns were free imperial cities from the first directly under the emperor and with the right of sending representatives to the diet others were built on the lands of churches or lords but were privileged, although dependent, and often shook off their subjection later. In any case, they were homes of comparative freedom, and a year and a day in a chartered town gave liberty to the serf who could escape thither. In southern Schwabia the leading towns were Zürich, a free imperial city, Lucerne, at first under the abbey of Murbach, but later independent, and Bern, which obtained imperial immunity on the extinction of the family of Tsaringen by which it was originally founded as the towns were protected and rendered bold by their walls so the valleys were given security and independence by their mountains the inhabitants of these mountain valleys grouped into communes were drawn closely together by common interests by pastoral and agricultural work and by possession of rights over the almend or mark as the wasteland between the little settlements was called and for use of which as pasture the whole commune as a rule would be associated valley communes began to be formed in uri Schwyz, unterwalden glars and other districts and little by little the inhabitants succeeded in winning recognition of their independence and obtaining charters of privileges the nobles were not likely to let their authority go without a struggle there were various attempts to make the whole duchy of swabia into a united principality one great family after another tried to amass more and more territory into its own hands but none tried harder nor with more success than the habsburgs Whose increasing power threatened the overthrow of the free communes. The communes looked to the emperor for help against the aristocracy. Uri was taken under imperial protection in 1231. Schwyz won its charter of immunity in 1240. And in the common fear of oppression, towns and districts began the practice of banding together to obtain strength. Various leagues were formed from time to time bern united with lucerne Schwyz with unterwalden and uri and then the three of them with lucerne and zurich these were at first only temporary leagues but in this linking of town and country for mutual protection we see the true beginning of the later confederation from twelve fifty four to twelve seventy three was the imperial interregnum when as carlyle says there was no kaiser, nay, as many as three at once. A period of terrible confusion and party strife assuredly, but nevertheless an opportunity for steady advance toward freedom, whilst the great men of the land had little time to attend to humble matters. In the end, as we have seen elsewhere, Rudolf, the head of the Habsburgs, became king of Germany and duke of Austria as well as emperor, a very important personage indeed there was great fear that the whole of southern schwabia would now come under his sway he bought fribourg neufchatel glarus and other places established rights over lucerne and surrounded the forest cantons of uri Schwyz, and unterwalden with a cordon of his private estates his death in 1291 was the signal of the first perpetual league in which these three uri Schwyz, and unterwalden laid the foundation of the swiss confederation the document commemorating this compact the original of which is now in the archives of Schweiz, was not exactly a declaration of independence but a union to obtain quiet and peace security of justice mutual defence and the settlement of quarrels by arbitration it ends with the hopeful sentence the above-written statutes decreed for the common weal and health shall endure for ever god willing it has indeed never been annulled and only gradually outgrown and superseded rudolf's son albert one-eyed loose-lipped unbeautiful eventually emperor continued his father's policy of amassing schwabian territories but was murdered by his nephew at brugg in thirteen o eight the confederates then had only to oppose austrian habsburgs not emperors the imperial throne being occupied for a space by the house of luxemburg which was at enmity with the rival house of habsburg the cause of the actual outbreak of hostility with this formidable family was some attack made by the men of schwyz on the monastery of Einzelden, the reason of which is obscure in consequence frederick duke of austria sent his brother leopold to punish the mountaineers leopold came with an army of nobles who despised the foe and expected but little difficulty in their task the scene of the battle of morgarten 1315 where the enemies met was not amidst very wild high mountains but in a hill country of gentle slopes leading into Schwyz, over the ridge of morgarten a saddle pass formed the approach and here the peasant army was stationed to check the austrian advance leading up to it from the lake of egerisay was a narrow path hemmed in by hills on either side leopold's army clad in the heavy armour of those days came carelessly along so sure of victory that their attendants had been ordered to bring ropes to lead away the captured cattle. One man alone is recorded to have realized the danger. You have all taken counsel how best to get into the country, said the Duke's fool, but have given no explanation of how you are going to get out again. Many had no need of a way out. Before the Austrians reached the pass, a detachment of peasants hurled down upon them from an advanced spur of the ridge a regular avalanche of rocks and trees which threw them into the wildest confusion and at the next moment the rest of the mountaineers rushed down from the pass and turned the would-be attack into a rout utterly out of hand the defeated troops fled back to be hewn down as they ran or to be drowned in the lake into which many were driven absolutely helpless in their heavy armour. Peasants on foot had proved themselves a match in their own country at least for an army of mounted knights. The battle resulted in a renewal of the League, and three years later the Habsburgs gave up their claim to interference with the administration of the three forest states. End of section nine.